Welcome to DM to GM, the game show where we take your questions and answer them and hopefully make you more comfortable playing the games. I'm your DM, Russ Moore. And I'm your GM, Sean Howard. And we asked you three questions. Those questions being, what game genre would you like to run? What system are you familiar with or which system would you want to use? And what hurdles are stopping you from running this game? And we are going to try and answer that for you right now. Russ, I choose Fate for $200. The game that you roll plus and minuses and you kind of don't figure it out until the last episode. (laughs) So this one's from Alexia and I I wrote, Alexia is threatening to run Fate. Can you just give me like, you did a campaign in Fate, by the way. Yep. I think it's the best thing you guys have ever done. I loved it so much. And I love Dungeons and Dragons, but that campaign you guys ran in Fate was amazing. Uh, so, I mean, more coming uh, on that, but we'll get to that another date. So good. So can you just explain to me, I have not played Fate. Yep. So I've seen these weird dice. What the hell's going on with that? Um, so Fate is based on a fudge dice system. There's pluses and there's minuses, which determine your overall outcome in the game. So they base their their win-loss success ratio on what they call the ladder. So the most you can roll based on your specific attributes and what you roll on the dice is a plus eight, which is legendary. So they say what if you get legendary... Not only are you successful, but you get to pick things over and above how successful you are to make that move that you were trying to do work. Okay. So in D&D, which a lot of us are familiar with, there's there's basically success or fail, right? You have a number you're trying to beat. Like, okay, you got to roll 16 or higher to hit. So you're trying to, you can basically miss or you can hit. And then D&D has added in a critical miss or a critical hit, just as the base rules. So in... Based on the apocalypse systems, we have sort of three tiers, which is uh, a failure, a success, or a mixed success. Now, in Fate, it sounds like it's more about nuances to like a ladder of how badly you fail or how amazingly you succeed. Is that? Yes, it's a... Okay, let me try and explain this better. When you roll, you're rolling against something. So you're rolling against an environmental or a character aspect. Right. So someone is competing against you, so you're rolling to do better than them. That them could be a physical big bad evil person, or it could be the terrain or the atmosphere that you're in. So you're rolling to do better. But it's still a shade. It's it's shades of success versus shades of failure. You're basically just competing, always. Right, okay. And there's simple math involved. Simple math. I can do simple math. This is why we didn't do very good at playing the game, man. <laughs> okay, so Alexia's first thing is, uh, what game genre would you like to run? Alexia says, anything cutesy or that my f- uh, friends would like? Maybe something with a vampire aesthetic? Oh, I love that. Ooh, or with cats? Oh, yes. Or with elves? Oh, my God, I want to play this game. I personally would die to run something fantasy- Um, then Alexia goes on to mention Pathfinder and I want to shoot myself. Uh, okay. So let's stick to the first part of that. Um, vampire aesthetic. Uh, I think that's a great, I've seen a lot of stuff in fate for vampire. Haven't I? Yes. Fate is a cool game to play because they have so many settings. 
If you read through the core book, basically what they want you to do is take something from popular culture, something that you like. So you want a vampire aesthetic. Maybe you like Buffy the Vampire Slayer. You take that scenario. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, uh, you take that scenario and now the way they build up their character structure, their world structure, you build it as a table. You don't, the, the game master doesn't build it by themselves. Oh, you mean the whole table? Like, no, I thought you meant like a table with cells that you fill out like a, oh, a one no, to no, no. ten this, a two so to one. Okay. They, they ask you questions as you're going through to kind of flesh out the world, but you as the game runner and your players all sit down and create these aspects that build out the world for you. Oh, cool. Once you have the basic structure of the world, then the game master goes and, you know, deals with the fine minutia of how the story is going to actually run. But then you build the characters based on how the world works. So basically you sit down at a table, do a world building exercise. You yep. don't then immediately start playing. There's a gap of time. Yep. Okay. And then you come back together, work on the characters. Yeah. I mean, that's a, that's at least how we did it. That, that okay. part could probably be done all sure. in one setting, but yeah. But there's nothing stopping someone that wants to use fate to do an interesting or cool world. It's actually easier because you sit down and just answer the questions at the table. Exactly. And they, they run you through in a very short chapter how to world build, how to character build, um, and all the quick mechanics that you need in order to make those mesh together. Love it. And so it's one book, really? You could do it just with the one book? Yeah, it's one book. It's free online. Oh, so what was the problem, Russ? Right? I mean, the ladder <laughs> system, man. The ladder system. It got me. Oh my god! I can't. I can't. I'm just making fun because I'm doing Dungeon World, which is such a simple apocalypse. You know, based on the apocalypse system. I always say that wrong. Uh, you know, and oh, I was getting the rules so wrong. I'm so not used to uh, mixed success. Right? That's I'm just. That's it. I've done a world of D and D, and you either succeed or you fail, or you succeed or fail well or badly. And this whole idea of partial success took a long time for me to get used to. Uh, yeah, we tried yeah. to we tried to do it in six episodes, uh, or six sessions rather, um, and that was what we just didn't get until the fourth or fifth session of sitting down was how to break down the the partial or mixed successes. You know, right? But what I will say is, I have listened to those six episodes. And they are brilliant and fun. And the table was having so much fun. You can just hear it. So, so. Because so we to, didn't, we didn't ahead. let it hold us back. Like yeah. we, we sat down to tell a collaborative story. We right. said, we, we like this. We like zombies. We like space. We like this. Let's tell a story and then find ways to work in the mechanics as you will. There's one paragraph within the, the book. It's very early on. It's basically boils down to. Whatever pieces you take, you're still playing fate. So if you Love only it. take one mechanic, you're still playing fate. So Alexia, go for it. Choose fate. Sit down, have fun, play it out at the table. You'll figure it out just like we did in End of Time and Other Bothers, though we, were not, we weren't using fate, and just like Dungeons & Dragons did with their amazing six-parter. Uh, what is that thing called? Uh, it's called Lunacorp. Lunacorp? It'll be available to the public later on, known as Facing Fate. Facing fate. Okay, so let's go to part three. Fear of finding a system that I am safe to tell a story in. I love this comment because, first of all, I love the idea that Alexia is saying, I want to tell a story. Um, 
And with fate, it sounds like it's going to be a collaborative story that you're going to tell. Yeah. And, but I love the idea that Alexia is trying to create a story for the table because um, every player is different, right? You're going to have players that just want to roll dice and kill things. And you're going to have players that want to invest in a story. They want to live the story. And I'm one of those players. So, um, I mean, I enjoy hacking and slashing, but I really love investing in a story, feeling like I'm part of a story. So I love that Alexia is saying, I want to do that. How did you guys find the experience of of muddling your way, I guess, as you say it, through fate? But I thought you did a great job. Um, How did that feel telling that story that way? I I think it felt really amazing. The thing that I liked about it, I guess that's what we did too. We were just trying out different systems, but we were finding something that helped us tell the story. And Fate, the way it's set up, really, really helps with that in that um, it invests your characters in creation. Um, So one of the things they do is they say, how do you anchor your character in this world you've just built? So you've built a Buffy the Vampire style thing. Um... Your character maybe got in trouble at school with the principal for scrawling their name on the bathroom door. The next part of that, you write that on a card and you pass that to the player to the left. They have to incorporate themselves into that story and find a way to help or hinder your character. So they giving you a backstory, B, more story to build on to develop the world you're going with. And then you pass it another time and you that character has to find a way to work into the previous aspect. So even the character building aspect is still story building in Fate. It's story building basically 100% from start to finish. Love it. That That's awesome. I think that's amazing. I don't know if I answered your question, but... You did 100%. So Alexia, do it. Get the Fate book. It's a free PDF. You may already have it knowing you... Get it, do it, run the table, be collaborative, create a fun story, and let us know how it goes. And I want to stop because I want to say we're, this is our first, like we're recording a few episodes at once, Russ and I, and yep. I haven't talked to you about this yet, Russ, so I'll see you. I don't know where you stand, but I know there are some people out there that are going to be listening to this going, oh, you got rule three wrong, oh, rule two, <laughs> no, this rule, no, you're doing that wrong. You completely just screwed wanna... up the ladder system, Russ. <laughs> that is not how the ladder system works. And I just want to say, we don't give a beep. We do nope. not give. We don't give a rat's butt. Don't write us in. Don't try and correct us. We are here because Russ and I want to help GMs and DMs and, and keepers and game runners who have been sitting there saying, I want to play, but I'm afraid because I see that there's this right way. There's this, 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 you were talking about it. You ha- I love Matthew Mercer, but this idea that you have to be as good as that to play this game with your friends. And you don't. And we're, yeah. Right. We're here to say no. Even play this game. Now that we're bringing that up, even he has said that he himself has admitted he's terrible for the game because he can do all these voices and he does all this planning and he does all this. But the average person can't do thousands of voices like a professional voice actor can. Oh, but I love him. So, but yes, I agree. So don't write us in. But if you are someone that's sitting there thinking, I want to get started or I want to improve or I want to try a new system. We are here for you, and we are here to support you. So write us in. Tell us your fear. Tell us your problem. If you send us a system we don't know how to help you with, I'm going to say it right now, Russ and I are going to figure it out and run a game in it, and then we'll come back and tell you what we learned. There you go. We're going to try our very best. Throwing down the gauntlets. Okay. Sorry. Got a little impassioned there, Russ. That's good. I liked it. I felt it. (laughs) 
You're on the other side of the country. I still felt it. It was just waves. <laughs> Us damn Canucks. All right. Uh, let's go on. Mike Egerton has the worst player in the world at his table. That's the, the byline here. Bum, bum, I don't know bum. who he's talking about. I don't know who it is. Who could it so be? The, I don't know who it is, Russ. The, <laughs> I wonder. Hmm. <laughs> Mike Egerton says, even with a solid D&D DM guide for an adventure, it can be hard to remember all the bits and pieces, the order of things and so on. How to keep track of the moving parts could be a good one. Now, this is someone now, you know, he sits at my table in my show and he does not read his sheet. So uh, just got to get that out there. Um, yep, yep. But, yep, but yep. I think <laughs> but I think this is a I hear this a lot. I don't know if you have heard it, too. Right. Oh, like, yeah. Have you listened like, to Dungeons and Dragons? <laughs> but it's like it's too much. Uh, you know, it, it can feel overwhelming because I think initially there's a couple things going on. We were talked about this in an earlier episode. One, you feel like you have to get it right. <laughs> yeah. And then two, if you overprepare too much, uh, it can be a little debilitating because you just have pages and pages of notes. I had a friend once who had a binder. I think it was it had grown into two binders. And I was like, wow, that campaign's going really well. And they're like, Oh no, I haven't run it yet. <laughs> they were still building it. Oh man. Right? <laughs> so I think it can be a bit debilitating at first. Be like, okay, there's too many rules. And then, oh, there's a module you're going to run through. There's too many things. So let's assume that based on an earlier episode, Mike or someone has heard, hey, there's a, you said the primer, whatever it is from Witches of yep. the Coast, right? There's a primer that simplifies the rules. Okay, let's say that exists. How would you, because you've used modules, how mm-hmm. do you address this? Like if you've got a module and there's just, there's a lot in there. Yeah. How do you approach it so it doesn't seem overwhelming, but you're also not trying to read while the characters are doing things because then you miss stuff? I mean, how that's, do you how I, that? that's how I run games, Sean. I read while characters are doing <laughs> and then I miss stuff and then I have to retcon it or find ways to get it back in. <laughs> okay, so what's your recommendation? Okay, so here's how you should do it. This is don't this is do as I say, not as I do. When you sit down with a module, if we're going modules, yeah. uh, you sit down with a module. It could be one of the big adventure modules. It could be just a, a quick five-pager off of DM's Guild. Either way, same base concept. You want to read or at least skim through most of it because they're going to introduce things in the third act that won't have come up in the first and second act that are now very important that you have to have tried to work into the later. It's a lot. Anyways, pick and choose the things that you like about that adventure module. Yeah. Find the hooks in the beginning, middle, and end act and find ways to introduce them in your own way. The best part about an adventure module is it gives you the base framework for a cool story. If you run it verbatim, every little thing, you're going to run a cool story no matter what. Um, If you want to run a really in-depth story, take a couple pieces and make it your own. I like that idea. So sort of like take some cards and just like rough out the story. What are the major beats? Who are the players? Yep. Because they've worked out. Like they've worked out the backstory and the cool, you know, people who are, you know, the the antagonists and all that. 
the cult leader, by the end or somewhere along the way, you find out why they're doing what they're doing. So you go find that, find that piece that you yeah. need, and then you can use that every time the characters come into contact with them. And it may change or morph depending on how your game goes, but at least you have that backstory to begin with rather than finding it out in the fourth act or third act like the players yeah. are. Try not and to if that. the players catch you by surprise... Throw them into another maze to give yourself time to come up with a retcon. Look, I didn't keep them in the goddamn <laughs> maze. They just couldn't figure out the maze. Salt in the wound, Sean. Salt in the wound. Okay, so so I like that idea. You familiar yourselves with the story, but then you actually step back and write out sort of the major pieces. Yeah. And then you still have all the tables and things in there if you need them, like the bad guy stats and definitely why they're why they're in the world, what they want. Someone's done that thinking. Yeah, I love the idea of making them your own. Like um I've tried to run off a module and I quickly just went so far off the rails, but it didn't matter, right? It was a fun way to start and it was some fun characters to get into, and then after a while I was just like, "Ah, we're just doing our own thing." But at that point, it was fun. It, it, the The module did its job by getting us going. Yeah, I guess it's like it, I guess it's from that aspect. It's table expectation. If you want to run through Storm King's Thunder and you sit down as a table and say, "I want to run through Storm King's Thunder," then stick to the book. Don't go off book. But if you right. stick, you know, sit down and you start with it, and you're like, "I really like this aspect of it, guys. Maybe we can go see what that does." We can always come back. Yeah. But, you know, pepper in the things that you really like about it and build out your own world based on what has been given to you. There, There is nothing wrong with running a module. But if you hit a point, like Russ, you're saying, where you want to explore something and the table wants to do it, don't stop them. Just do that and come back. I love that. It's a great answer. Next part. Um, Micah Segerton says it's intimidating. He says, I'm not good at voices, as we all know, and trying to play NPCs can get confusing. I find this fascinating because he calls out, that's a good one for Sean to handle. I literally don't have a lot of voices. So I have Grover, who became Snaggle, which yeah. we renamed from Schmeggle so we don't get sued. Um, uh, I I have one female voice I use for everyone else. A very, yeah, uh, it's a softer. Yeah. yeah, it's just the softer yeah. voice. I can't do accents to save my life. I once introduced this character, which they always joke about in the end notes of my show, because I introduced this character that had a bit of a spark going with one of my other characters. That was what I was wanted. So Darcy and uh, Strand, something Strand. and But I tried to give her a southern accent. And everyone's like, what happened to that character? Like, it was so brutal, me trying to do that accent, that I was right. like, she can never appear again. So I'm a little confused that that um, I'm being called out. because. Uh, so I guess the question is, um, how, how much of this, I guess, from your perspective, Russ, how much of this do you think is just comfort not being, not playing ourselves? And how, or how much of this is, are there tricks to help people understand what character is speaking? Um, yeah, I mean, I do, again, not a lot of voices. If you listen to the first three quarters, they're all old men. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> even Flamikins, I'm, I'm getting better. I'm getting better. Yeah. Um, but the big thing, the big thing about voices and characterization is first figuring out who the character is, figuring out their motivations for being there. Um, and then 
If you want to do voices, great. If you don't want to do voices, that's great too. But if you want to separate them because you're going to have multiple NPCs in one section, give them slight affectations or give them slight... You don't have to give them full accents in order to make them a separate character. You can get, If you know a little bit of French, make it... Make it Quebecois French, which is very tabernacle. And I probably shouldn't say that. That's bad, too. Um, Yeah. But you just give them a little bit of something different. Or if it's a very... You can give them something soft. You can can make them seem soft-spoken. Or you can make them very gruff. You just throw it down a little bit. It's the same voice. Yeah. It's just a different caricature. 100%. I think some of this is comfort. I think some of this is comfort with leaning into a character. So I would say... Don't beat yourself up. Start simple. The number one thing I have learned in in GMing is do not have a scene with yourself if you can help it. Yeah. Right? It is brutally hard. Those are the worst. It is so hard. You know, when you suddenly realize you have, I have Snaggle and Moira in a room, I find a way for one of them to leave immediately because I know that that somehow I'm going to end up having to talk to myself. So... First thing to do is limit so you don't have two NPCs in a room. It's not as hard as it sounds, right? If you know going in, you're like, "Uh uh-oh, this is leading towards me talking to myself. Someone's got to exit. Just give them Um, something to do. Yeah, I'll be right back. And Moira, and the next thing is you can announce. You are the announcer. You set the, the game tone. You can, there's so many good books that we all read that have, you know, this omniscient voice that comes in at the beginning or at different times or good omens, right? If anybody's watching good omens, there's a narrator yep. right, that comes in in that show and it's beautiful. So you can basically use that voice to be like Moira sits down on the desk, puts her head in her hands and just shudders for a minute before looking up and saying, you all need to leave. And I don't even have to change my voice. Right. I can just pause and just speak like me. The last part I'd say is the comfort. Like as we get better, more comfortable, it's not even better. Really, it's not better. Both are fine. But as you get more comfortable as a GM, you can get bigger. You can lean into voices like you were doing where you were going down and deep. Right. And big and like flamekins way up. And like you can just start to have more range by investing more emotionally in your characters. Yeah, as you right. understand them, and and you know, Flamikins is a goblin, so she's way up there, bud. Like she doesn't, she doesn't know what's happening. And then you, she's have also a giant never on, sad. She's always excited, always. Um, right. And then you have a giant on the other side who's trying to crush you. And you know, they don't talk very fast, and you have to slow it down a little bit. You think yeah. about how the the words are going to fit into them, and you get comfortable with that. They may not sound like that to start, but as you get comfortable in the character through a scene, you may try something out, and it might fit and stick. And steal everything. I have a character that is basically Eeyore. Yeah. The name is Cyrus. He is a halfling. He's never happy. And he said that. She's like, I don't know if I can get on board with this Eeyore character that he's doing. (laughs) I know. And I open with Eeyore, too. It's like the first thing you hear. It's the first thing you hear. It's a bold statement. Bold statement. Bold. Go bold. We all have our we all have our episode one issues, Russ. Yeah, don't, yeah, don't even get me started. <laughs> that train wreck of a yeah. Um, okay, so I think we answered it. Start slow. Don't be afraid that you have to have voices you don't. Use the narrator voice. Describe what's happening and don't talk to yourself because that gets painful. Uh, okay, his last question, Russ. <laughs> Conflict. What happens when one of your players is Sean? He's referring to me. 
Sean was a beautiful player. I don't know what you're talking oh, about. Oh my god! Oh my god! Yeah, he's all the right, best. You, you're getting he a, destroyed right. my party. You're getting the Christmas gift card now. Yeah. Yeah. The Christmas card for us. <laughs> I'm a uh, I'm a uh, very obnoxious kind of right. I'm a I'm a, I can be an obnoxious player. Like, and you might have one of those at your table. So go ahead. Uh, so I think n- not necessarily Sean, but a controlling player. Yes, that can be very difficult. Yeah. Well, it's especially when you're, I mean, it's something that I had to fight through, not fight through, but work through yep. uh, myself with Tom's game is that having your your dungeon master as a player sometimes stinks yep. because they know everything that you're planning before you've planned it because you've already played the same game together on the other side of the screen. Or you call out a rule. I heard that episode. I, I had to. I know, but that's like, it is hard when you have a player who knows the game really well and you're get just starting, yep. that can be hard. And even when we are that player and we're trying really hard to be supportive, it's hard to not step in and be like, oh, well, no, that's not how that works. Yes, you know, that's going to bite you in the ass real hard later. But, um, but the, the best thing that you can do with a player like that is sit down with them outside the game. And yeah. let them know what you want them to help with. Because us as as game runners, we want to help. We yes. want to be there to help build out your world and help your things come to life. And, you know, tell you what you can do to, to we want to help. But you need to tell us where the boundary is. And the best advice came from a dear friend of me who I won't name because I don't want to get him in trouble. Who who uh, uh, is was playing a game where he had someone who um, I think had a compulsion to do all the math and get all the rules right, right. a very strong compulsion. And uh, sort of like you said, pull aside and let us know where to help. It can also be pull us aside and let us know where we can be OCD rule focused, mm-hmm. right? So he pulled that person aside and said, I really need your help here and here. And, and now all of how money is split, all how saving throws go, all certain things that were a pain for the GM are now that person's responsibility. Absolutely. And and in reverse, the rest of the game frees up a little from having to rule check everything. Yeah. Give us something to do. Otherwise, <laughs> otherwise we're metal. Or the other thing that can be really hard is you're trying to create a game that's fun for everyone at the table. So Russ, you just nailed it. Some people need something to do. Some people need to have space created so they can they can participate, yeah. right? Um, there's you'll slowly learn your table and you'll learn how do I allow Sean to have fun, but also Christy over here to have fun and Russell over here. Each player is going to be different. Each player is going to want to get something different out of it. It always kind of comes back to sitting down with your players and figuring out how they want to play the game. Some people are going to be that numbers based rules uh, rules mechanics based player. Other people just want to go be the bard who sings to everybody and tells their stories to the land. Yeah. And then if you know that, you can find ways, hopefully, uh, as you get more comfortable naturally, to work in both mechanics within different parts of the session. Not necessarily the same scene, but different parts of the game. And sort of in summary for Mike, um, in a situation where you sort of think you want to run a game, but it's intimidating, you're not sure how it's going to work. Uh, one thing to do is to go to a bunch of friends and say who are playing and love playing and say, or are interested in playing for the first time and say, hey, 
I'm trying out a little test campaign. It's a one-off. I just want to see how it goes. Like, I just want to test this campaign. So you don't say I'm testing the table or I'm testing blah, blah, blah. You just want to try out this one-off just to see how it's working. And yeah. and then you come together and you play for two, three hours. You have a great time. You thank everyone and go and everyone, you get to hear their feedback, how much fun they had, whatever. And then you get to take that away and process it and be like, wow, that went better than I expected. And I want to do that again. And now you have a table that you can invite back and go, hey, I'm thinking of continuing that. Or if it didn't go well and you were a stress basket, you could be like, thanks everyone for so doing that. If anyone else wants to run a one-off, I'd love to play. Definitely. So it could be a nice way to just sort of edge your way in. I agree. Thank you for listening to dm to gm If you have questions about getting your game started, send them to us, Russ and Sean. Our email is dm to gmcast at gmail.com. Write in, what is a system that Russ and Sean may not have heard of probably haven't used but that is sort of simple it's not a 600 page manual what's a system that you're interested in knowing more about seeing how fun it is to play as a as a starter as starting as a gm you can also visit us on facebook or on twitter at dm to gm cast you'll find all the links down in the description in the meantime get your game started we'll talk to you soon The Fable and Folly Network, where fiction producers flourish. This is I reporting. He's at the Lao Chang Restaurant, Changchun, Northeastern China. It's uh, spring 1997. Once it started, I'll leave him in Ming's hands. <laughs> That's a joke. Ming doesn't have hands. And what do you do exactly? Besides dance with strangers. I work for the postal service. <laughs> you, you're a, a postman. Weird, right? Weird, right? Miss Cloutier? What is it? It's just a bit strange. A letter for me from Hong Kong. And there's no stamp. I need stamps to write a dead person? Yep, there's a cost. How much? A pound. A pound of flesh. A pound of you? It seems like a lot. Lift up your shirt! What's that? Just pull this tube over your stomach! We are done Ow! Yeah, this is gonna hurt! What? Nothing! The very worst thing that could possibly happen. Is that a police right back? If your letter can find me here, then I think we have a lot to talk about. Saludos, Raul. The very worst thing that could possibly happen. An audio drama in nine parts. Produced by Wolf at the Door Studios. Out now. For more information, please visit WLFDR.com.